Open your Bibles tonight to John chapter 9. We're moving along. John chapter 9 tonight. All the way through our study, we've been focusing on the purpose of John's gospel. Uh, in his account, John writes to clearly, surely, plainly tell us who Jesus is and to tell us what his gospel is. Uh, in his day, in our day as well, there are all sorts of attacks on the truth of Jesus and attacks on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so again, John writes his gospel that we could be sure. He writes his gospel that we would be certain. Now the question then becomes, why? What is he seeking and giving us confidence in the person of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ? Why? What result is he seeking? Now in fact, it's really the result that God is seeking. Now, there are actually two results that I believe God intends for us to have uh, in the reading of the Gospel of John. The first is this. God's goal is that all people will believe. Uh, God so loves all people. His grace is extended to all people. And so God's desire, his goal is that all people will believe. And so I can tell you tonight very confidently, very loudly, the gospel of John is written so that you, whoever you are, will believe and in believing be saved. The gospel is written so that you will believe. The second result that God seeks is that believers would be equipped and encouraged and motivated to be urgent ambassadors of his good news. His goal is that we would be convinced that this is the need of the world, that we would be sure that Jesus is the answer, and that we would be urgent in sharing the good news. God so loves the world that he puts us on the mission for them to hear of the good news of Jesus Christ. And so there's two reasons that we have John's gospel. There's two purposes, two results that God seeks. One is that all people would believe, and the second is that believers would be urgent. Tonight our message is entitled, The Light Shines. The Light Shines. We're moving to chapter 9. John chapter 9, tonight verses 1 through 12. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. The light shines. I'm going to ask if you would, if you stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay out of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes. 
and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, Is this not the one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, This is he. Still others were saying, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the one. So they were saying to him, how then were your eyes open? He answered, the man who is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed and I received sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come tonight, we're thankful for you. We're thankful that you're kind to us. We're thankful that you're gracious to sinners. We're thankful for our Savior, the hope of sinners, Jesus. Lord, we're thankful that tonight we hear again of good news. We hear tonight of a a light in a dark world, a light that brings life. Lord, I pray that in the preaching of your word tonight, that those that do not know you would hear, that those that have never trusted you, that tonight they would believe. I pray that the church tonight, these that are believers, that we would be encouraged, that we would be equipped, and that tonight we would be urgent, we would be prepared to share the good news of a risen Savior. Lord, I'm thankful again for your word, thankful for this opportunity. We open it up and trust it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, it says that the light will shine in a dark land. It is a prophecy speaking of the Messiah. When the Messiah comes, there will be a light that shines in a dark land. In Isaiah, chapter 29, in verse 30, in chapter 35, and chapter 42, three different places, it says that the Messiah will give sight to the blind. That'll be one of the activities of the Messiah. That's how you'll know that this is the Messiah. Well, tonight we're going to see in our verses that the blind are given sight to see the light and the blind are given sight testifying to the light. And so it's double-edged. There's two reasons. The blind are given sight to see the light and the blind are given sight testifying to the light. To the light. And in both of those, Jesus once again is revealed as the Messiah. Let's look at our verses tonight, starting in verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Now, we are not sure when this account happens. There are some that think it is right after the events of chapter 8. There are some others, and they think that some time has passed, maybe as much as a few weeks or even months, between the events of chapter 8 and the start of chapter 9. I believe, I think from the context and from the intended message of these verses, that not only does it occur immediately following the events of chapter 8, I actually believe it's part of the events of chapter 8. So I believe it's part of what's going on in chapter 8 continues in our episode tonight in chapter 9. 
I believe you'll see that tonight as well. In verse 1, we are told as Jesus passes by, I believe he is leaving the, the festival celebration. He is at the festival of tabernacles, the festival of booths. And, and I believe when he leaves that last festival celebration where he has declared that he is the light of the world, that he now exits the temple compound and he passes by this man blind from birth. I believe it's that immediate. And so after he makes this bold declaration, he leaves the temple compound and I believe he passes by this man blind from birth. Now I want you to think about that for just a second. This man had never seen. He was born blind. Now, that, that's almost too much to think about. He had never seen his parents' face, though he could touch them. He had never seen the sun come up, though every day he could feel its warmth. He had never seen the food that he ate, can you imagine, even though he could smell and taste it. He had never seen. His world was dark. He was in blackness. That's where he existed. It was a dark world. It was all that he knew. Because of that, his life was helpless. To get around, he needed somebody's help. To know where he was at, he needed somebody's help. To survive every day, he needed somebody's help. We're going to see he's a beggar. He was helpless in life. Now, not only that, but because he was born that way, think about this, he was not only helpless, he was also hopeless. Do you know, he had no idea what it was to see. He couldn't even hope that he might see. He didn't know what it was to see. And this had been the state of his life. There's no dream that he would have that he would ever be a seeing purpose person. He was hopeless in his blindness. Verse 2, and his disciples asked him, Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Now, the Jewish teaching, the Jewish understanding was that sickness or suffering was the result of sin. Now, it's not talking about sin in general, but it's talking about somebody's specific sin. The belief was, the teaching was, that if you sinned because of that individual specific sin, that God could cause you to be sick or to suffer. And so if a person is sick, they must have sinned. If they are suffering, they must have sinned. And so seeing this man, the disciples asked, well, he's been blind from birth. Who is it that sinned, this man or his parents? That was actually a very deep question. If he was born blind, it couldn't have been him. He couldn't have been the one that sinned. He was born blind. He was already blind when he was born. And so it had to be his parents. And if it were his parents who had sinned, how is it fair that he's the one suffering? So it couldn't have been him. He was born blind. And so it must have been the parents and if it were the parents, how is it fair that he's the one suffering? Is that what God does? And so it's a deep question, and it's less about placing the blame on sin for somebody 
as it was about the goodness of God, about the fairness of God. Now, I want you to be sure of this today. I want you to be sure of this. All sickness is caused by sin in a general sense. The Bible says that sickness, death, decay are the result of sin. We live in a fallen world. There is sickness and death in our world. And so in a general way, all sickness goes back to the cause of sin. And listen, the Bible does teach that there are some specific sicknesses specific to a, to a person that are also the result of sin. Now, that is biblically true. Now, there are people that God judges and they are sick because of their individual sin. That's also true. But also understand that not all sin is the result, sickness is the result of an individual's sin. And so there might be a person and they're sick just because they live in a fallen world and it's not because of their sin. Now let me repeat that. You look kind of crazy right there. All sickness is caused by sin in a general sense. There are times biblically when God does judge somebody with a sickness because of a specific sin. But that doesn't mean that a person that is sick is guilty of an individual sin. All right, let's look at verse 3. Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus says that the blindness wasn't caused by personal sin. That's what he says. It wasn't the man's personal sin. It wasn't his parents' personal sin. But it was so that the glory of God might be on display through it. It existed, his blindness existed, so that God would be glorified through it. Right, I want you to listen. I want you to be careful and listen to this. Hear this. Today, I think we've been taught incorrectly. And I, and I see it and I hear it. I think we're being taught incorrectly. Did you know tonight that there are worse things than being sick? Did you know that? Did you know there are worse things than dying due to a sickness? We, 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 we live in a world where it says the worst thing ever is being sick, and if you're sick, something must be wrong, and we got to find the reason for that, and the worst thing you could ever do is die because you're sick. That's the most terrible fate, and so we'll spend all the money, we'll do all the things, we'll chase all these things, because the worst thing that could ever happen is that you would die because of a sickness. Be sure to not hear me. Worse than dying because of a sickness is dying and never knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And listen to this. And the next worst thing is living and never glorifying Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. It's a terrible thing to die, a terrible thing to die, and never have trusted Jesus. But I want to tell you very close to that, right behind that, is to live your life and never glorify Jesus. What a terrible thing that is. What a selfish thing that is to live out your days, to go through your life, and never have given anybody a reason to glorify God. One of my... Favorite stories, some of you know it, is the story of Timmy and Jeannie Nell. 
Rob Chilton and I on a Monday night visitation night, we went to their house. We didn't know what to expect. We went to their house and we shared the good news of a risen Savior. We, we shared the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they got saved. And boy, did they. They got it. They, they got saved. They got it. And I want to tell you, there was a change. And they were in church. I, I remember the first Sunday they came. We had two services in the morning. They came to the first service and said, well, what time's the next service? And I said, well, it's after this but it's just the same as this one. They said, we'll be right back. They came for the second service. Finished the second service. Well, when time's the next service? Well, it's going to be tonight. They were in church. They were in Bible study. They sang in the choir. And then her cancer got bad. And they fought it, and they fought it, and they went along for a while. And one day the doctor said, well, this is it. It was a Tuesday afternoon. Three o'clock in the afternoon, nobody's around in the church. It's, it's dark. Church is dark. And they're coming out of this dark, this dark auditorium. And they slip out of these doors and they head out into a dark foyer. And they weren't seeking a crowd. They weren't even looking for me. They didn't want somebody to see them. And Timmy and Jeannie are walking in the darkness and they're holding hands and tears are running off their faces. And I just happened to be walking out of my office and, and walked across them. And I, I looked at them, I saw them, and I asked what happened. And they, they told me the story. They said that her cancer was back. It was worse. It had spread. They said on this day at the doctor, the doctor had said there's nothing left to do. And here's what they said. They said, we came here to demand our healing. No, that's not what they said. That's not what they said. They said, we came here to plead with God that he would give us more years. That's not what they said. They said, we came here to tell God and bind God with his own words that by his stripes we're healed. That's not what they said. They said, we came here because our words become reality and if we just speak a magic formula, we'll be healed. We came here to get the words right. That's not what they said. Here's what they said. I'll never forget it. They said, we got this report. Exact quote. And so we came here to thank God for letting us live long enough to get saved because we figure he's heard enough griping. Glory to God, glory to God, praise the Lord, glory to God. Worst thing that could ever happen is you die and not know Jesus Christ. The second thing right behind that is that you live all of your days and you never bring glory to God. Glory to God. Let me tell you something right now. Jeannie has seen Jesus. In fact, she's with him right now. She's with him right now. All right, verse 4. Let's keep moving. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Now, this is great. Here in verse 4, he is talking now to the disciples. For a little bit, we really haven't heard much about the disciples, but now he is talking to the disciples. He is teaching. He is growing the disciples. He says, we. Now, this we was himself, but it was also them. Listen, it also includes us today. He says, this guy's blind 
to display God the Father's glory, we, including us, must work the works of him who sent me. He's talking about the Father. We must work the works of the one who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Now understand, understand tonight, the works of the Father means doing the things that bring glory to God. It means doing the things that make God known. Listen to this, hear this. Disciples of Jesus are to be urgent. Disciples of Jesus are to be urgent. I want you to understand tonight, there is urgency built into the mission of Jesus Christ. There is urgency built into the work of a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, we just heard a day or two ago that those that don't trust Jesus, they will die in their sin. They will be absent from heaven. They will suffer punishment for eternity. Folks, listen, there is a point for all people when it will be too late. Listen to me. If the, if the gospel tonight makes you lethargic, if hearing and believing the gospel makes you complacent, if the gospel makes you comfortable, maybe you better look at it again because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ and it is our job to make sure they hear. It is urgent work. Just this week, it may have been last week, I don't know, it's starting to run together. Somebody was saying to me, wasn't the first time, but they were saying to me, 100 days is crazy. 100 days is crazy. And they, they were concerned. 100 days is crazy. Do you know what you, that'll do to you? That's what they said. Do you know what that'll do to you? Do, you? do you know what you're doing to yourself? 100 days is crazy. Listen to me tonight. I may be too dumb to know that, but I do know what not hearing the gospel will do. If they don't hear the gospel, they can't believe the gospel. If they don't believe the gospel, they will be lost. Friends, it is an urgent mission. Let's get on the mission. It is an urgent mission. Verse 5. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. That's what Jesus says. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Jesus says while he's in the world... He is the light of the world. Now, remember, we've learned it. What does the light do? The light shines in the darkness. Man, look at our day. The light overcomes the darkness. Never the other way around is what the Bible says. The light overcomes the darkness. The light gives life. Jesus is the light of the world. In Jesus, we have life. The light gives life. Jesus says, while he is in the world, he is the life-giving light. Very soon he will die, he will ascend to heaven, but while he's in the world, he is the light of life. He's the light of the world. Do you know, we'll get there, maybe in a few weeks, he's going to tell the disciples, them and us, that one day we'll be the lights of the world. He actually tells us that one day we will shine in the darkness. One day we will shine the light that overcomes the darkness. One day we will share the good news of the gospel of Jesus and it will shine his light. Let me tell you two things. 
Number one is this. The world needs light. 2021, the day we're living in, a wicked, rough, raunchy, tough time. The world needs light over and over everywhere we look. The world, the world needs light, not a political movement, not an economic movement. The world needs light. Here's the second thing. You're the light. Jesus gives us his mission and he gives us his torch, if you will. You are the light. The world needs light. We can keep talking about it or we can be the light. Verse six. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay out of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes. Why spit? Why clay? There's actually all sorts of reasons that are given. Uh, I, I was reading somebody and they said, people are made out of dirt, and so he gets dirt to patch up people with. Uh, sounds reasonable. I don't know if that's true. Uh, why spit? Why clay? My deep theological answer is, why not? <laughs> it doesn't say why. We don't know why. He does it. That's what he uses. Verse 7. And said to them, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. Listen to this. The pool of Siloam is inside the wall. It comes from the spring of Gihon. Remember that from the other night? That is the spring where the priest took the golden vessel and he went every night of the festival and he filled up the, the, the pitcher of water and he carried it back in the celebration and he poured it on the altar. It's this, it's this pond. It is this spring. That's why I think it's the same event. I, they're in the same place. And so he says to this guy, go and wash. Now, I want you to notice this. Be sure of this. That water there is just water. There's nothing special about this pool. There's nothing that, that magically happens in this pool. There's no medicine there in this pool. And so, so see this. I want you to notice this in the verse. He wasn't healed until he went and washed. But there's nothing in the water that's going to do anything. But he wasn't healed until he went and washed. Here's what I want you to see. To be healed, he had to believe. He had to believe Jesus. He had to take Jesus at his word. Jesus said, now you go and, and you wash in this pool. He could have said, you're out of your mind. I don't know what you're talking about. I got things to do. It's a long way to get somebody to lead me over there. He had to believe Jesus. He had to take Jesus at his word. And because he believed Jesus, he obeyed Jesus. His obedience was a sign of faith. Watch this. He was given his sight by trusting, by faith in Jesus, he believed. Do you see the picture here? Do you see the picture? And the Bible says this, and he came back seeing. Now, I, I, we read that, so he came back seeing. Listen, that's a big deal. He comes back, and as he comes back, he can see the colors of the trees. He can see the birds in the air. He's heard them. He's never seen a bird. He can see the birds in the sky. He can see texture. He can see depth. He can see his neighbors in the street for the very first time. He can see the gold of the sun. He can see when he comes back. 
And you know what? He's no longer helpless. I don't know who led him to the pond, to the pool, but they may still be there. He didn't need them anymore. He comes back. He's not helpless. He can see he comes back. I want you to see this. He is no longer hopeless. Do you know the whole world just opened up in front of him? You can't work. Yeah, I can work. You can't go there. Watch me. The whole world has opened up in front of him. He can see. And so we see tonight, the blind are given sight to lead to the light, to lead to Jesus. Then we see the second thing, and that's this. The blind are giving sight to testify to the light. Let's keep going, verse 8. Therefore, the neighbors, there's always neighbors. You ever notice that? <laughs> Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, is this not the one who used to sit and beg? Verse 9. Others were saying, this is he. Still others were saying, no, but he's like him. He kept saying, I am the one. Now, I want you to notice this. This is so radical. This is so unexpected. This is so unlikely. This is really so impossible that their answer is to say, it must not be the same guy. This is so crazy that it looks like him, and the answer is to say, this is not him. And I want you to notice what it says here. If you, if you read it and figure it out, they start saying, is this him? He says, I'm the one. And they say, well, where did he go? And he says, I'm the one. And they say, well, I don't think this is him. And he says, I'm the one. That's what it says. I am the one. Where did he go? Hey, I'm the one. Verse 10. So they were saying to him, okay, how then were your eyes opened? Verse 11. He answered, the man who is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed, and I received sight. Let me sum up verse 11 to you. He says this, Jesus did it. Jesus did it. That's what he says. How did you get your sight? Well, I ran into the man. His name's Jesus. And sum it up, Jesus did it. Jesus did it. Let me ask you two questions tonight. Can people tell that your life is different? I'm being serious. Can people tell that you follow Jesus Christ? Can they tell in the joy in your life? Can they tell in the urgency of your mission? Can folks tell? They could tell. Is this the one? Can they tell that you are different? And are you able to say, second question, Jesus did it. Jesus did it. Do you know that's the cry of a believer? That, that's the cry of a believer in God's grace and in God's power. If you have to go around and say, well, I got tough. Well, I changed my pattern. Well, I got better willpower. If you have to say those things, he didn't do it. The cry of a believer is in God's grace and in God's power, Jesus did it. Jesus did it. Verse 12. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. John writes, so that all will believe. John writes, so that believers will be urgent. Let me tell you something. Here's how we're going to close. We're calling folks to believe. That's why we're doing this. We're preaching the good news. You're so loved. God sent his only begotten son 
We're calling people to believe. Every night in this room, we're calling people to believe. Every night, wherever this goes out from here now, 50 states, we're calling people to believe. Listen, there's only hope in Jesus. We're calling people to believe. But I don't want us to miss this. Starting tonight, we're calling believers to be urgent. We're calling, listen, we have good news. We have a risen Savior. God so loves the world. It is finished in Jesus Christ. We're calling believers tonight to be urgent. Let me ask you a question. What might God do with an urgent teacher? See, you're around a lot of kids. You're around a lot of parents. You're around a lot of eyes. What would, the, what would, the, what would, what would God do with an urgent coach? What, what would God do with an urgent farmer? It's never raining, never raining. Out of, what if you said, praise the Lord, listen, we serve a risen God. What would he do with an urgent salesperson? What would he do with an urgent student? Oh, what if our students said there's a savior? What would he do with urgent disciples? Listen, the call of John is believe, but it's also for believers to be urgent. What would he do with urgent believers? Lord, help us to be urgent. Let's pray. Mary and Father, we come. We praise you tonight. There is good news tonight. There is a foundation that stands tonight. There is hope in a sorry world tonight. Lord, we praise you. We thank you. We rejoice in you. Lord, I, I come and I, and, I, and I hear these verses and I see your goodness and I pray for folks to believe tonight, this night. On the 42nd night, on a Friday night, I pray for folks to believe tonight. Remove any hindrance. Remove anything that would, that would hinder their, their hearing. And I pray that tonight there be folks that believe to the glory of God, to the, to the glory of our Savior, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that the second thing in that is that as we hear this good news and as we're encouraged in this good news, that as believers we'd be urgent tonight. And I pray we'd start looking for opportunities to tell of the good news, to share of the grace of God and the gospel of Jesus. Lord, help us be urgent. Lord, I pray as we close out this service, I believe you've spoken. I pray you continue to speak. I pray that you're glorified in it. pray that you're known through it. We give it to you. We're thankful, Lord, that you love us and give us this opportunity. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna close our service with a time of response a time of invitation. And I, and I want to tell you that the, the, the first call is this, believe, believe. There is good news tonight. We are sinners, all of us. In our sin, we've earned a punishment, all of us. But God loves us so much, he sends his only one and only begotten son. He comes and he steps down, he humbles himself and he comes as a man. Not just a man, the Bible says, as a bondservant, a slave. He humbles himself to the point of death. The Bible says, not just any death, but the most wicked of death, death on a cross, that he might save you, that he might save me. That's what our Savior, Jesus, does. He takes my sin, my shame, my guilt, yours as well. He bears it to the cross of Calvary, and he pays for it there. Listen, it is paid for already. He pays for it there. Put him in a grave. He's dead. The penalty's paid. Three days later, he walks out of the grave. He stands as the risen, resurrected Savior, the hope of sinners. The Bible says if you will trust in that, if you will believe in that, you shall be saved is what the Bible says. If you'll profess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, you shall be saved. Listen, call out to Christ tonight. Trust Jesus tonight. 
He will save you on this Friday night. Trust Jesus tonight. And the second call of this message is this. And the rest of us, let us be urgent. Let us not go back to business as normal. Let us not go back to a comfortable life. Comfortable in a gospel. No, we're to be urgent in our gospel. Somebody you know needs to know Jesus Christ. Do you know that? Somebody you know needs to know Jesus Christ, and they will perish without Christ. Why don't we make this the day, this the weekend, this the week that we tell them of our Savior, Jesus? If you're here and you've trusted Christ, you need to follow believers' baptism. You want that testimony to stand. You come during this time of invitation. We'll set a time. It'll be a great time of celebration. You're here looking for a church home. You've prayed about it, and you believe God has led you here. You come as well. Maybe you want to come on this Friday night and pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. I'm going to ask that no one stir about, no one head for, an alt, for the exit. You pray for those who are making decisions. If God has spoken to you as we stand and sing, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here. You come on. I'll meet you here.